about what you did. The Archers. Hello, you guys. This is Madison. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to remind you that Camp Gaylor registration is officially live. I'm going to put the website down below. Thank you so, so much to our planning team who worked so hard on making sure all of the info and all of the questions that your little heart desires are answered on that page. It's so gorgeous to look at. Please go check it out. And if you're interested in attending an in-person gathering component of Gaylor Fest and you want to experience the virtual conference with other Gaylers in person in Hyannisport, Massachusetts from June 16th to June 18th, then definitely check out Camp Gaylor and see if it's something that you're interested in. And we are very, very very excited for it. So head over to the website, register and make an account through Google just for security purposes, and then you'll be able to see the full page and see all the FAQs, all the information on pricing, lodging, and if you're interested in attending our virtual Gaylor Fest conference, which will happen that weekend as well, that registration will go live in April, so stay tuned for that. And I hope we see you at Gaylor Fest and or Camp Gaylor. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Archers. My name is Madison. I am one half of your beautiful, incredible, amazing, intelligent co-hosts who also happens to be an archer. Hello. My name is Katie, and I am the other archer. I am the other half, the two-fourths, the three-sixths, the half a dozen. The 6.5 out of 13. That's exactly right. We're <laughs> And we are 6.5 out of a baker's dozen. You yeah. know what, Madison? I am six and a half of one, and you are half dozen and a half of the other. And together mm-hmm. we make up a baker's dozen. The archers. <laughs> the archers. The only the only astrology Taylor Swift queer math podcast. <laughs> we always make it about math. Why? It's always about math, darling. The math is always a mathing over oh. on the archers. You know why? We do all the extra credit and we still get graded on a fucking curve. Oh, that's right. That's all right. Welcome back to the main feed. (laughs) Welcome back to the main feed. I feel like I can finally breathe. The Virgo full moon is actively acting as an oxygen mask into my body. And I feel like I can breathe. Okay. The Virgo moon is riding in an airplane with me. The airplane is going down. And the Virgo moon put on its oxygen mask and then put on my oxygen mask. And then turned it right around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. Oh, I guess also the Virgo moon is the pilot. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. The Virgo moon is on so many hats. That's very fitting. No, it's true. It's doing it so well. How are you doing? How are you doing, little Miss Pisces season? Oh, I am Miss Pisces rising. And Pisces season is treating me so well. I can barely speak. (laughs) I just like, um, 
I've been doing good. I'm very sleepy though. And then this Virgo full mm. moon has me even more sleepy. Like this mm. Pisces season, I have been sleeping like eight to ten hours every night. And that is like an absurd amount of oh. sleep for me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's been nice. Oh, and I feel like both of us are coming at things with a mellowness that I have not seen since season one. Yeah, truly. It's yeah. just, I, I feel less pressure. I'm more just like floating. Pisces season, I just floating. get to float, you know? Yes, exactly. Yep. That's where I'm at, too. <sighs> yeah. So... Today, I think, is going to be a really fittingly dreamy episode, Mm -hmm. which also is probably a main thing carrying us right now, um, is that this is something we've been talking about for the entirety of The Archers. Like, this is really one of those episodes that we always knew we wanted to cover at some point, Um, and it feels like really perfect timing. I mean, just the mood that I'm in right now, I'm like, damn, things really work out the way that they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in honor of today's episode, you'll also notice I'm wearing my all purple ensemble. Oh, is this, are we doing a video episode? <laughs> no, this is just for me and my vibe. Oh, okay, good, good. Good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, that's good. I, that's everyone needs to have Katie's aura in mind while listening as well. So mm-hmm. now they have a right. color for your aura. Currently. Yeah, currently. And what would you say your aura vibe is? Um, I'm wearing all black, and I'm wearing okay. um a black cardigan and some slippers. Um, I'm feeling. Blue. It's a blue aura. Midnight blue, if you will. Midnight blue. So we have the same color aura. <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I was getting at. I would say we're two peas in the same pot, you know? Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very excited for this episode though. You're right, we have been talking about Sappho from the get-go and planning to do a Sappho episode eventually. Mm-hmm. As well as we've been talking about our hairpin drop for a while yeah yet. it was for some it reason it's even... been like held in our back pocket as a hairpin right. drop like <laughs> i don't know why you're right it's like weird timing right i feel like that's even like even more than sappho i feel like we've been waiting to talk about the sappho speak scene like mm-hmm. for a year like yeah. yeah who knows why we do the things we do i know because mm-hmm. we're masterminds <laughs> yeah that's I guess I guess I guess we are. <laughs> Do you remember I was trying to think about this before we started the episode and I literally don't remember where this zine like first originated in Gaylor spaces mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I do remember stumbling upon it myself during like Gaylor rabbit hole Google rabbit hole researches <laughs> like that yeah. were very chaotic. I remember stumbling across it and just being like, "Oh, what a cool little gay piece of history." that like I can reference for like gay symbols but I didn't um immediately like want to bring it to like the Gaylor Swift Reddit but then someone did very shortly after and I was like oh maybe Taylor 
could have stumbled across this or maybe it's just gay culture <laughs> right right i mean i i to my recollection i think that it came up searching the term bad in one right? of her lover songs that's what i thought um yeah, what what which one of her lover songs uses the word bad? Um They Whisper in the Hallway, She's a Bad Bad Girl. Right, she's a bad bad girl. I could have sworn it was like a bad bearding boy. song almost. Yeah, bad, bad boy. boy. Yeah, because I think I remember looking up like bad boy gay men. Right. Lingo. Like exactly. Bad boy, good boy, like what's What's the and history it's so funny behind that? Because you would think that it might have originated with looking at bad with I did something bad, but I'm really tying it, I'm tying it to lover for some reason, um, in my mind. Um, but yeah. yeah, looking that up uh, through Google, you'll get there this um zines. Okay, I feel oh. like we're skipping way far ahead, but that's how we found it. That's how I yeah. think we found it is by searching the term bad with right. gay. That's and, what I thought too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because as we'll talk about, like, that's an incredible thing. So yeah, why don't we just jump right into the hairpin drop? Yeah. And give um, it a little more extra context what we're talking about. No, yeah, it's it's very, very cool. And like, we can really dig into it because it's an entire zine from December 1985. And it's mm -hmm. from the University of California, San Diego. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a quarterly journal, lesbian and gay quarterly journal titled Sappho Speaks. This edition was about gay symbols the necessity, rationality, obscurity, and symbology of the gay subculture. Which, uh, doesn't that just make your heart, like, flutter hearing that? It really does. Like, hearing that, it gives me the feelings that I had in high school about, like, what I thought college would be. Yeah! So true! Yeah. <laughs> That's the most accurate thing. <laughs> and look at, here we are right now on the Archers on our most academic Speak Now mm -hmm. era season. Mm -hmm. And this is what we thought college was going to be. This is, this is really what I thought it would be. Like, you are so, I'm so grateful you said, doesn't it make your heart flutter? Like, yeah, bitch, this makes my heart flutter <laughs> like this this is learning <laughs> yeah yeah necessity rationality and obscurity and symbology mm -mm -mm. of gay subculture like so true it is all of those things it is all those things i feel like don't you think we secretly should change the archer's description as the necessity rationality obscurity and symbology <laughs> Of Taylor Swift's symbols. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Of Gaylers. Of Gaylers. In of Gaylers. Of Gaylers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. There's there's something so necessary, rational, obscure, and symbolic yeah. about right? Gaylers. Of Gaylers. 
Oh my god. Those are now okay, my yeah. favorite set of words. Absolutely. You are that's exactly right. I think that we literally need to make an episode called Gaylor Symbols. The necessity, rationality, obscurity, and symbology of the Gaylor subculture. Should we make our own zine of all of the Gaylor symbols and like the very basic, like repeated ones of like daisies, shade, like what shade means in her discography, what like windows mean, what I don't know, ivy, right? That's like the dream, yeah. We have a lot of ideas. <laughs> we do. We we have so many ideas. I know. Right now, we're not saying anything out loud. We're just communicating mentally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like, incredible. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. It, no matter. It's just, it's incredible. It's an incredible title. And, like, what a fucking resource. Seriously. That's truly what this is, is a resource. It's, yes. It's a first, what is it called? A primary source. A primary source. And that's the thing. This is from December 1985. Like, I really want you all to remember that as we kind of talk about this. This is from December 1985. And you're definitely going to be able to notice, like, how the way we talk about things has progressed and changed and evolved. But also, I think you're going to find that what we're talking about like what queers and what gays are talking about still the content and like the meat of it has not changed at all it's mm-hmm. just the language i think has changed and um you know hopefully the like intentions you know haven't digressed in any way um, yeah yeah and it's um, it's the same like symbols. It's the same, yes. same words and everything, and the same symbols. It's just the way they describe it is very interesting compared to the way we use the symbols now. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. Like symbolism and symbols are a part of folklore, are a part yeah. of these traditions that are carried down. So even if symbols have become archaic, they still exist and they are still symbols. Yeah. They serve more as like flags now that it's, it's like ingrained culture for decades and decades. Like now it serves as like a secret language more so than even Um, like symbols. uh I'm sure it was then too, but even more so now, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that symbols are just, like, a crucial component of any language. True. Very true. Yeah. That is that is language. In it. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first page, also the, co- the cover of this edition is a giant triangle. And that is also one of the gay symbols. Specifically, I'm pretty sure it's on one of the old lesbian flags. And um, Taylor liked triangles for a moment there and was very into them. Yeah. And, you know, like to me, the pink upside down triangle, like immediately referencing like the symbol for that homosexuals had to wear in the Holocaust like in concentration camps um is that upside down pink symbol so 
that has been like kind of a reclaimed symbol uh, for a long time as well. Gorgeous. Yeah. And that pink, like on this black and white edition, that's the only like color. I know. It's like that sweet vintage, like highlighter pink. Yeah, where it was like a little hint of red ink was yes. used. Exactly. Um I think the best part of all of this and the big reason we want there's so many like articles in this also but the one that we're gonna like focus on is the main first one of gay symbols and if you use the link in the description it's on pages three and four Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and right away like the first sentence literally the first sentence let's just go through what it names in the first sentence katie First of all, the pink triangle, which we just discussed. The mm-hmm. lambda. Mm-hmm. Which Katie reminded me that Taylor has used before. And when you Google Taylor Swift's lambda, screenshots from the Ready For It music video come up where she had 13 graffiti on the wall. And she made the 13, like the one in the 13 just triangle-ish enough to look like the lambda symbol symbol Mm -hmm. like next to it so immediately off the bat there's one next the color lavender (laughs) but colors don't mean anything right (laughs) oh god (laughs) um also includes this first sentence also includes keychains mm-hmm Fuck the patriarchy keychain. Am I mm-hmm. right? Am I Literally, right? Literally, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, just keychains and colored hankies, which I don't know if Taylor's necessarily taken part in, but we were just <laughs> watching her vlogs um, on YouTube. We were reacting to them on Patreon. Uh-huh. And <laughs> there's like a scene a scene there's a clip in her vlogs where her and liz hewitt are on like the plane and mm-hmm. liz is wearing a lavender um bandana, bandana. and it's yeah. them like being, like happy valentine's day all awkward to each other um so if you want to count that as a hanky reference we can i've been thinking about it a lot so <laughs> yeah yeah and it says, these are all symbols of the gay lifestyle. <laughs> I love that. I love the idea that gayness is a lifestyle. It's so funny. I feel like the main heterosexual, like, homophobic rhetoric either frames it as a lifestyle or as a, like, mental illness. Yeah. Yeah true like they can't be both it's, it's either something you're choosing to do or as actively. now they're trying to frame it as a yeah and now yeah i guess that's how they're framing it now and how they're framing like trans people it's like yeah gender ideologies mm-hmm. <laughs> like they they frame it as a weird thing 
instead of just yeah. like an expression of self. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that that's the thing. It's like they know that it's an expression of self, but they don't like it. <laughs> yeah. So they have to make it into a thing that can be squashed and not real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost like how Hitler's will be like, lavender's just a color. What are you guys talking about with your weird gay rhetoric? Mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just cop behavior overall yeah <sighs> exactly but um, it literally also says um, the transmit they transmit a myriad of meanings from one gay person to another relaying information which is a part of the underground gay network that keeps our subculture alive We use them as a kind of code language, a way of passing along information and symbolizing our identities. The symbols we use often come from the ancient past and often have a much deeper significance than to broadcast I'm one too. Yes. So that's the thing. It's like that opening paragraph is essentially the thesis for Gaylorism and like what the subculture has become. Um, of really like deeply just looking at the symbols she's giving us and acknowledging that these are ancient symbols that queer people have discovered and then purposefully utilized to send out like just to to like make it aware to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the fact that the Z, the or the you know the quarterly is called Sappho Speaks. I know, it's beautiful, and doesn't it remind you of Speak Now? Absolutely, yeah, that's insane. Like, not even in a like Taylor Swift wrote Sappho Speaks in December nineteen eighty five. Like, I'm not. <laughs> no, <laughs> but like, of course not. But just it's the irony i guess yeah exactly exactly yeah (sighs) Um, sappho speaks now sappho speaks now should that be the title of the episode Mm, i love that yeah for sure (laughs) write that down write that down write that down (laughs) i just so yeah, I mean, obviously, we're not going to read the entire, like, um, article to you. Um, but it's, like, so... It's just, it's really, really, like, wildly comforting to be told over and over again, like, this is real. Like, the things that we're, like, grasping and picking up on are real things like this is how they're used these things are not like straight people are never going to be able to relate to these kinds of clues because they don't have to do this we queer do- people we don't want them to relate to these they're not exactly supposed to. they're not supposed to i mean that's that's right like they're not supposed to so if they tell us like over and over again like it's imaginary like you don't own colors it's like they just don't get it it's not for them yeah 
they don't get it they won't be able to get it and that's beautiful and real and they don't have to i don't want them to it's not meant for them they exactly. don't they don't speak the language you know exactly um a couple of highlights i want to point out before we get to the the list of gay oh, words yes, <laughs> um it does say most widely used and recognized gay symbols are the pink triangle the lambda the amazon labyrinth which are often worn as buttons or jewelry or used as logos Gay symbolism also includes styles of dress, such as wearing lavender, tattoos, colored hankies, or single earrings, or capturing a certain look, such as gender ambiguity, the Castro clone, or the leather queen. I love it. I as love well it as, too. Ooh, this one too. Our slang includes such terms as lover or forward instead of straight when giving directions in a car that's funny yes okay that's hysterical instead of you're gonna go straight right here saying you're gonna go forward (laughs) it's elegant okay that's the thing though that is so true because literally in the car whenever like all the time lizzie and i will be in the car and i'll be like okay go straight if you can like, <laughs> literally it lives literally. within us like, it does. <laughs> because i've never even heard of this but i have thought to myself when giving directions before i'm like Ugh, and go straight <laughs> like yeah with disgust in parentheses. Yeah, it's like I don't want to say the word straight. Yeah. And if you tell someone to be straight, it's like haha as if, like good luck. <sighs> this one's good too. It's also says or phrases like a friend of Dorothy's or one of the family or the revelation of the knowledge of gay literature, art, locations, public figures and current events. So basically all of Taylor's music. Yes. A friend of Dorothy's, lover, knowledge of gay literature, art, locations, figures, and events. Yeah. That sounds right. Hmm. I I know I'm really fascinated about I'd never heard of that of the Amazonian labyrinth. me either and that's like really exciting too to like you know get this like oh a labyrinth is a symbol of it um after midnight's come out and like that's a more recent um taylor symbol that she's given us is this idea of a labyrinth um and yeah i searched amazon labyrinth and obviously just amazon results came on um and it really made me realize like how fucked up it is that um a store is called amazon like i want to be thinking about the rainforest when i type amazon oh it's almost as if yeah that is the amazon yeah you're right it's very symbolic (laughs) terrifying yeah they are killing (laughs) they they are literally trying to kill the amazon off and also its reputation devastating 
Oh, uh. So no one can see what they are doing to the Amazon forest. Um, did, but did anything else come up? Or, sorry. No. no, okay. Literally, Amazon labyrinth symbol. I guess it's just like a typical labyrinth symbol. And Amazon labyrinth symbol gay is a suggested one. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of like this, what sounds like a colonialist um, adaptation for, like, um, the idea that, like, Amazonian, like, women warriors were, like, lesbians. So, I'm not sure whether The axe. It's the axe, too. It's a labrys. It's an Amazon labrys. Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. That's why. um, Because of that the labrys lesbian flag that's purple with the black triangle and then like the axe in the middle of it which taylor has also used (laughs) insane cold was the steel on my axe to grind for the boys that broke my heart yeah um if only she had changed the line of I bury hatchets to I bury axes. That oh, would right. be very equivalent to changing pin drop to hairpin drop. Yeah, you're so right. <laughs> oh, oh my god. I- I'm just getting word from page four or page three. What page is this? This is page three. <laughs> That another color used as an identifying mark for gays, especially during the late 50s, was green. Derived from a children's often repeated saying, anyone who wore green on a Thursday was automatically queer or a fairy. Oh my god, interesting. Green is the color. I've always wondered why she talks about green and... In Invisible Strings. In the SNL performance, too, when she performs, what is it, Lover? And it's, like, all green with her um, music flying around her. Right. I don't think that was for, was that for the time? Was that for Time's Person of the Year that she did the green? Or was that Lover? I mean, SNL. Actually, it might have been Time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That sounds more But, yeah, that all green Lover. Yeah. I love that. We own color. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. When they're like, you can't own color, it's like, unfortunately, gays do own color. That's kind of the point. We own the whole rainbow. That's exactly (laughs) kind of the idea. Um, Let's move down to the little gay words key. Oh, yeah, that's where it says the um, Amazon is the first one. Name of a people in Northwest Africa, later group in the south of Europe known as warrior women, depicted in battle with one breast showing outside their tunics. Slay. This inspired the myth that they had to cut off one breast due to their use of weaponry intended for men. Wow. I that's wonder so how based in colonialism that myth is yeah like if it's taken from 
like black and like afro indigenous lesbians and queer people it definitely sounds um like a myth that was made up by a white person (laughs) right bummer i'm sure there of course are and i'm sure there's a real true reason as to why they were depicted with one breast out and i'm sure it probably has more to do with like gender expression than the Mm. weaponry they were using compared to the weaponry men were using with their bodies like i don't think (laughs) (laughs) i don't think they would have had to cut a titty off to use the same weapon that men use i think that they would have been capable with both boobies you know like (laughs) i just it doesn't really make sense but cute um and then of course bad which is what this all led to because taylor's always like bad bad girl shiny bad boy good girl bad boy right and like that's so that is essentially as we were talking about like how we found out about this scene was because it's like one of the primary resources that comes up um in the idea that bad literally used to be a word for gay like, like literally about, meant gay. Literally meant gay. And now, for some people, gay means bad. So times have not changed. And now bad is just used as a general meaning. Term for, for bad. To be negative. Yeah. It is literally like the, the first word children are taught to use for, like, negativity. And, like, everyone is told, do not be bad. You're being it's bad. Der- it quite literally is derived from a word that meant her hermaphrodite. I can never pronounce that word. Hermaphrodite. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like it, it, that's literally the meaning of it. And we use it every day, just yeah. like willy-nilly. <sighs> right. Yeah. That's sick. It is. It's crazy. It's really, really crazy how ingrained this language is. Does that mean that um, <laughs> when people call someone like a baddie? Ooh. <laughs> like, it, it could mean they're gay. It's like a flag. Well, I mean, that's the I'm thing, too, is like in, in, like, AAVE, like, bad has meant, like, good for a really long time. Yeah. Which is, like, amazing. Which is kind of what it says under the camp definition. Yes. Because it says um, came from like being so bad it's good. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Obsessed. Um, Mm. Another gay word, bisexual. The sexual orientation of 80% of all Americans according to the Kinsey Report. My God, I love when the Kinsey report is uh, toted as um, a like a real study. Yeah, <laughs> like thank you for your service. According exactly. to a Twitter poll done by <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like basically, it feels like it really feels like that. It really does. <laughs> 
Quarantine Report was literally the original Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, like, 60 years from now, people being like, oh, I'm a four on the Twitter poll scale. <laughs> like, as a meaningful way. Like, we'll do that now, but just do Twitter the other poll. language. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Ugh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That I had no idea that so many people were like somewhat bisexual, according to the Kinsey well, scale. Yeah, according to the Kinsey report. It's very funny. Like, who knows where that came from? Absolutely. What else do we have here? We have Bull Dyke, we have Butch, we have Camp, Drag. The F word, which I'm still not sure if I'm allowed to say. <laughs> so I so I don't. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not, I only say the F word around people that I know I'm okay with me saying the F word. Do you know what I mean? That have literally said word for word that it's okay if I use it with them yeah, in an endearing exactly. way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want to just say it in case anyone would be like hurt by me saying it. Yeah, that's why I'm like... It feels insane. But it also definitely doesn't feel like... It, like, feels like... I don't know. That word could be used at any of us at any point. Any of us meaning in the queer community. Exactly. Exactly. And Um, actually, the definition is fantastic. Yes. So this is the thing. The F word does have, like, an amazing like the exact same thing with bad um, and the drag definition oh my god yes okay let's read both of those yeah okay so drag to cross dress from drag or drag meaning cart so cart like add to cart gay men and women cross dress to imitate the gods and rode in carts in pagan festivals to imitate the gods yeah 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 and now meanwhile we say like dress to the gods like which also is like fucking amazing like it's amazing that that concept is still like um ingrained in drag culture that we still say things like that yeah naturally that is fucking insane. I never yeah. knew that. Like, reading it just, like, to imitate the gods and rodent carts, I'm like, of course they did. That sounds yeah, <laughs> what, like what they still do. Like, drag queens and people that dress up drag. To be like, sure. That's literally, carts are parade floats. Yeah! <laughs> oh my god, it's literally the equivalent of if in a yeah. thousand years drag queens are float queens. Yeah! Uh, literally holding pagan festivals pride yes yes <laughs> so it's like instead of carts they drive on floats yeah. so it's like in a thousand years they're gonna be called float queens instead of drag queens because that's no. how language evolves no they're drag queens but float queens is so cute it's like a banana float that, a that banana would be float What's a banana float? I've never in my life heard of a banana float. That's not anything. <laughs> banana split. I meant like root root beer, beer float. float. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, like a root beer float. That's so cute. That is cute. And I think of like a cloud and Exactly a fairy. right. Yeah, let's get float queen starting. Float queen. I feel like that could be like a genre of drag queen even. Absolutely. Like Like a, a sugary, a type. a type, like a cake, sugary, kind of like princess drag queen as a float queen. Yes, yes. Like a, a fantastical kind of like mythical type of. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I don't know. There can be a spectrum of float queens from like goth witches to pastel confections. Right, right. And they all flow in some capacity. Wings! They wear wings! Some of them wear wings. It's giving Victoria's Secret fashion show. <laughs> Those are float queens. <gasps> Those are float queens! <laughs> They're float queens! We've nailed it. Now we know what float <laughs> queens are. Dressing as the gods. Yeah, angels. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, that's really crazy. Victoria's Secret angels are drag queens in that sense. Yeah. They are dressing to imitate the gods. During their pagan festivals. A Victorian Secret fashion show. Jesus, that's really, really funny. <laughs> Not to mention the F word being from the sacred fire stick of the ancient gay wizards, a branch of the Fagus beech tree. Also related to the Roman fasces, a bundle of sticks, kindling for the fires of witch trials. Yes, exactly. They're So, burning all the witches. right, that being the origin of, like, to the degree where in Britain, obviously, they still call cigarettes th that, uh, the variation of that word. Yeah. Like, that's how much associated that slur is with With like burning fire stick. and lighting. Yeah. So they're burning all the witches, even if you aren't one. Go ahead and light me up. That I just. is verbatim, Madison, that is verbatim when you think of it in that context as her pleading with her dad that this, like, that the Nashville, Tennessee law is anti-gay people or even if you look gay. Right, right. Even if you aren't one. Yes. Even if you aren't, even if you aren't one, but you look like you are one. Yes. It's like pleading, like, like, even if I'm good, even if I'm not really bad, even if I'm not really a witch, they're just, they're, they'll think that I am Mm-hmm. Yeah. and like me, like, I'm not, ugh, that's like She's exactly like, I that. haven't even been proven guilty yet. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even have proof. Um, we also have fairy, which is actually the brown-skinned tribal people of ancient Europe and the British Isles. I never knew I've that. also never heard fairy described that way. That's why I'm like, when I think fairy, Yeah. I think of like, what people call it, young gay men. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like twinks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, twinks.
realistically yeah um but how interesting that even that comes from something racist and colonial right exactly gay's also on here i don't know if you've heard that one before to be happy or merry <laughs> finally a um, win for gays this is interesting hearsay mm-hmm. is that hearsay hearsay what is that word hearsay Her- is it heresy heresy what word is that i'm gonna look it up right now I wonder there were so many ways heresy belief or opinion contrary to orthodox religious doctrine yeah heresy oh and then here they describe it from the root word heron meaning to choose the ability to choose one's belief and lifestyle yeah i always hear it as like the noun for heretic so someone that a heretic is someone that goes against like religious doctrine and is like sacrilegious nice yeah <laughs> yeah so again religious imagery for sure yeah it fuck religion that imagery yeah that imagery exactly. <laughs> yeah i also love oh my god i love these definitions heterosexual non-gay exactly that's like the best one (laughs) like it's so true that is all it is thank you yes history a written account of what non-gay white males have done Mm. that's literally Taylor's Vogue 2019 quote where she's like everyone who's not a cishet man a white cishet man I hate that that quote has been turned into what it is. I know. It is literally not saying anything at all. That's why I think high infidelity is sort of about um, the Hitler reaction to that interview in general and how they've used it as like fuel all of these years it's her being like i was dancing around your pick events with my words trying to be very careful with it and you put on my records and burned my city wow i like that i really like that interpretation when did you uh when have you moved into that interpretation I don't know. I think just in general, it stemmed off of my interpretation of the song being about Hitler's. Right. And then thinking about all the shit that they do and like use against her and like that being Mm. the biggest one. Mm. And that's very like that quote was very I was dancing around it. I was dancing around it. Like I I didn't say it so directly, but I said it direct enough and you purposefully misinterpreted it and burned my city yeah i mean and all because i think that you had also said that that was about like betty gate because she was dancing around it so much at long pond and like a response to long pond also that yeah like the different the different weapons that hitlers have kind of clinged on to formed themselves with her with her words Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, taking her words. And I mean, same like story as oldest time. 
yeah. truly with how like lavender gate mm-hmm. yeah it could be applied to lavender gate just as easy <laughs> yeah even though obviously it was written far before yeah that yeah it's, it's like just... twice a year she does that like or maybe like once a year she does that Anytime she says something to cover up and mm-hmm. protect her relationship, whatever, it's that's what they do. Um, and then, of course, Lesbian is on here from the Isle of Lesbos in Greece, home of the poet Sappho, who wrote love poems to women. And queer, label assigned by mainstream to groups or ideas different from their own. Yeah. Yeah. I love that all of these definitions are correct. (laughs) That's right. Whereas if you look at any other history from like 1985 some of it Mm. is gonna be yes racist some of it's gonna be misogynistic patriarchal colonial because that's whatever that's how america works but like looking at this made by Mm -hmm. gay people in 1985 the most inclusive thing totally not even aside from like it being a queer publication the most inclusive thing in all senses like it's giving accurate historical information that's (laughs) anti-colonial yeah totally i know it's really um quite something like it 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 makes me feel so nostalgic and just so yearning for a time different than our own like Again, I really recommend just looking through this in general because there's, like, an amazing article about, like, dealing with AIDS and, like, people, like, our elders, like, who are our queer elders, like, coping with this. And this is very early on in the AIDS crisis, too. Like, this is 85, like the Reagan administration is just pretending that it doesn't exist. Um and yeah, I mean, then what goes down to like ads for Southern California's hottest dance bar for women, the Seven Flame, or just the Flame? I think Seven I tried. Flame? I tried to look it up <laughs> to see if it was still open too. I don't even remember if it was, but I don't think it. I think it's called the Seven Flame, don't you think? I think it's called the Flame, but but it looks like a seven, and also the sign is a seven. True. No, you're probably right. It's probably just called the Flame. Um, but yeah, and then like, I don't know. It just sounds so. All of it makes me so happy. It's just it. It feels very gentle. Oh, they turned it into an apartment building? Oh. No. No way. Paved Paradise and put up a parking lot. The Flame Nightclub Building. Oh, yeah. They fucking... (laughs) Yeah. They sold it to a developer that made it into, like... 
a bad, ugly apartment complex. Devastating. Truly devastating. I'm sorry to <laughs> to break that to everyone. But the um, logo is very, very cute. Yeah, it is. So it's just the flame. That's sad. It does look like a seven, you have to admit. It does. I, I think that might have been the like theme of it, maybe. It was like 777 Vegas type of vibe, because the sign is also shaped like a seven. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Oh, and yeah, seriously, read this more in the link because the last page two talks about like witches and there's like a beautiful little poem yeah a beautiful little poem i love like the letters to the editors it's just so Mm -hmm. cool it's really things like this are so important shout out to anyone who has like projects like this as a queer person making like zines or like publishing things like this Mm -hmm. if any of you have like queer zines or journals like this um email us i'll put the email in the description and we can we can share them next time yes i love that idea i want to get the word out of all of our little independent zine creators yeah i'm sure someone out there does right yeah and i mean there just has to be it's like queer it's really again queer lineage and all of you making zines like you're really carrying forward such a precious incredible tradition yeah so important so much more important than like a twitter thread (laughs) truly tangible thoughtful art is well it's everything that's folklore that's folklore so thank you yeah that's doing the work truly it is yeah you guys are doing the work thank you zine creators i can't think of how many times i've been like i'm gonna make a zine about this i'm gonna make a zine Mm -hmm. about this Mm -hmm. and it just like never once has ever happened so if you really are putting the time and Mm -hmm. effort in you win at everything you really do (laughs) yeah and if you want to give madison and i uh like make a zine boot camp um and like uh do that i think uh that would be good too because i would love to be able to actually wrap my mind around um creating a tangible piece of mm-hmm. um art like that i have pinterest boards with um zine like ideas and yes. tips and exactly. little yeah i'm collaging constantly I'm collaging and writing poems constantly. Exactly. I just need to get it together. Okay, Next time we hang out in person. (laughs) Sorry, we're having like a completely separate conversation. But next time we hang out in person, we totally should collage and like do little, little, even if we're not working on a zine, just for ourselves. Like for Just for ourselves. I know. We really do. Um, Yeah, I spent this last Saturday collaging all day with... uh, Lizzie and our friend and it was very magical it like snowed outside and it was incredible yeah see I'm so upset because I ordered the 
the 2019 September Vogue, and it has some oh, yes. beautiful pages in it that I want to use to collage. It's such a big, oh, really? thick magazine, but I don't want to use it to collage because it's like I'm like what I'm wanting to do is collect these magazines as like a collection, not to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? God, I really, I, I really do. Yeah. Like I can't. I can't. Uh, so you can buy a second one just for collage. <laughs> I know. That's I should thing. just buy a regular magazine to use for collaging. That's the thing. It's hard to find. Like, it's so hard one. to find. And, and yeah, and it's like advertisements these days are not as cute as they were back in the day. It's like exactly. everything being old just inherently makes it like just have that little special oomph to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The nostalgia aspect adds so much for me personally. Uh, note to self, collage before Pisces season is over. Yes. That's a good promise to make to yourself. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, now that we've talked all about that, I guess we can segue into the Isle of Lesbos. Go Let's back take a little years. Take a little ship out to the Isle of Lesbos. That's it, and a time machine. Yeah. Um, where we're gonna meet a beautiful character by the name of Sappho. That's right. Which. I have to be honest. I really don't know much, or not don't know. Now I do. I didn't know right. much about until actually doing research for this episode. Mm-hmm. I knew, I knew the basics. I know mm-hmm. Sappho, like I know Sappho in my heart as a queer person. I feel like I've always known who Sappho is since mm-hmm. I was a kid. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like it's, just, I don't yeah. remember where I first heard the name Sappho. I feel like yeah. that's that type of presence. Totally. Um, but I always knew, obviously, that there were parallels in her writing and Taylor's writing. But when I looked into the background of Sappho as, like, a person and, like, her mythology, I guess, because that's mm. sort of what it is. Her figure is very, like, unknown. But what we mm. do know so similar to Taylor in the way that like Emily Dickinson is so similar to Taylor and how we talk right. about her being reborn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I have been thinking a lot about Emily Dickinson for that reason, as we've been preparing for this episode is that it does feel like she is kind of um, like a great, like lesbian voice that's been carried through. And, you know, I like, think so much about you know like what it means to be like Emily Dickinson like reincarnated and I put quotes around that word like reborn um and it's like I don't really I don't really it's it's that same duality that so much of what we talk about is which is like if that's real, like if that's really real and 
that really is like what happens when we die is we like are reborn with like the same essence of our spirits in like other people like that's very magical and incredible and and I'm like so open and like hopeful to that idea that that's true but then on the other level if that like is not how things work at all and that's like not a real concept and you know there's no factual proof in that I mean or a factual like yeah yeah, factual truth in that um it's still really magical and beautiful that things like queerness that don't have any like biological linear pattern can still be passed down and passed on like I'm always going back to that that concept of folklore and that like concept of things being real and embodied even if they're not tangible factual things yeah I think that's more so what I mean when I say reborn too it's like I mean both things and neither things you know as a oh exactly it's like we're just like exactly. philosophers of like making up philosophies but like <laughs> it's like like taylor is emily dickinson reincarnated in the sense that energy doesn't die and mm-hmm. the queer energy of emily dickinson and every other queer writer and artist and creator like they all share that same energy therefore mm-hmm. taylor is Emily Dickinson reborn as are we as are as is every queer person you know yeah like we're all each other too in a way of like energy the queer energy doesn't die and our choices and what we're attracted to and Mm -hmm. I think above all like our curiosity like Mm -hmm. being curious about the same things is a like generational um and like life connector like Mm -hmm. being curious about the same things and having the same profound questions I think is a a type of lineage I always think about like um like third genders in every culture and like when I've done Mm -hmm. research on that and the way that it always represents people who are meant to bring new perspective to the community and what that means and it's always to look beyond the black and white and beyond the binary and beyond like being right or wrong and the meaning of heaven and hell like there those figures in these communities are always for the purpose and like with the intention of of breaking down mindsets. So that makes sense why we're Mm. always curious because we're curious as to why things are the way that they are and why Mm. they can't be a different way. And we want to pull things to be a different way. Like whether it's gender attraction, whatever, like queerness in general Mm. is a third thing. It is the secret third thing, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, exactly. So that's, literally our purpose i think Mm -hmm. in an energetic sense it's our purpose Mm. therefore queer people are all reborn in the same lineage and i know that's something that you talk about all the time and has really changed my mindset too about queerness in general but it's Mm. just 
it's so beautiful to think about especially when it comes to someone like Sappho who lived so long ago and like exactly yeah and half of her shit isn't even like in full most of it all of it isn't in full um it's not you can't read any of her poems in full any of her work in full and yet Mm -hmm. we still all recognize what it is and that's crazy it really is crazy i feel so i feel so grateful that we that i have access to like a fraction even if it is a fraction of like what straight men have collected for themselves and what straight men have access to straight white men um and like white straight people like even if it's only a fraction of what i have access to it's like i i'm so grateful for it mm-hmm. i'm just so so grateful for it like it feels so good as an a like someone living in the united states whose like sense of like cultural ancestry is really always trying to be stripped away and like always you know in favor of like patriotism and this like american identity and like this individualism and that we're constantly you know being told to move beyond our ancestors and move beyond um what has happened and like never looking back into the past only looking forward i'm so fucking grateful that there is a lesbian like a like the lesbian like there's an ancient source of like being a woman loving woman that's like i'm just very grateful for it Something about the ambiguity of her identity makes it all more queer. Yeah. The fact that we don't really know a lot about her. It's all just kind of guessed. That's very Taylor coded. That's very just queer in general. Right. And like, maybe it was more than one person, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it probably was more than one person. Like, it there's just so much that we don't know it's like it really like came out of the earth and like it just has existed doesn't it feel like these fragments just like plopped down from the sky like yeah. the way like they talk about everything that i read it just sounded so like fake in the like least not in the scene, but in the way like <laughs> oh, where this came from. <laughs> we don't know anything about this and it's the gayest thing I've ever laid my eyes on yeah so I the only thing I can assume is that it literally plopped out of the sky from like I know a rainbow <laughs> like <laughs> um I'm gonna go over a little bit of Sappho background for anyone who who wants to know a little more about her and things mm-hmm. that I found very parallel to the lady that we like to talk about here on the lectures. <laughs> I love calling her a lady. <laughs> the lady! <laughs> that lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so one this is all from the wikipedia for sappho it's the only mm. website i read um <laughs> sorry okay i can only yeah. do so much um the little that we know of sappho is like the little that remains of her poetry scant and fragmentary she was arguably the greatest classical greek lyrical poet a lesbian of renown but was alleged to have thrown herself from a cliff when a male lover left her I love the drama. I love the drama of that story. Because I, you just know that that's not the truth. You know she did not throw herself from a cliff because a male lover left her. Yes. You yes, know she threw herself from a cliff because, like, her girlfriend broke up with her. Yeah, or just because she was dramatic. Or because she was dramatic. Exactly. Yeah. And then, hello the out of the woods music video where taylor literally dives off of a cliff that's actually the it feels amazing that like she was legend to throw herself off a cliff because i feel like that's so lesbian coded like that's so virginia wolf so <laughs> like yeah into the sea i mean i feel like if we search our group chat like how many times we've said like i'm gonna throw myself off a cliff like <laughs> It's very lesbian coded for sure. Yeah, it's the gay dilemma of like, I want to die. It's either I am ecstatic to be alive and living as a queer person, or I literally want to throw myself off of a cliff. And sometimes I want to throw myself off a cliff because I'm ecstatic to be alive. Yeah. Like, cliff jumping is fun. Mm -hmm. I love jumping off things into the water. I really do. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just uh, you go, you don't realize how far the drop is. You know what? It's all for the drama, though. Regardless of how it's far the drop the dr- is. Regardless, it's for the drama. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Staffel knew that. She knew, she was like, I want my folklore to like have a little drama in it, so. Yeah, absolutely. I'm tell everyone I did it because David left me. <laughs> David! <laughs> An ancient Greek <laughs> named David. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> um, also, just so hoax she talks about stood on the cliffside screaming, give me a reason. And um, this is me trying. Pulled my car off the road to the lookout. Mm-hmm. Could have followed my fears yes. all the way down. Yes. Drama drama um sappho was exiled to sicily around 600 bc and may have continued to work until around 570 bc according to legend she killed herself by leaping from the lusadian cliffs due to her love for the ferryman oh oh he does have a name the ferryman phaeon phaeon okay more yeah that that matches up that's that a Greek a little name. more sense. Yeah, that's a Greek name. Not David. No, no, Phaeon. Yeah. Um, great, a ferryman. Um, okay, you know what's fucking amazing about the ferryman? Um, is that that is often how death is portrayed as a ferryman. So it's very similar to Emily Dickinson's. Um, I did not stop for death, so death 
stopped for me poem about like being in a romantic relationship with death like being in a romantic relationship with the fairy man yeah so it's like i mean that it literally sounds like sapphos wrote a poem about being in love with the fairy man because that also was a conceptual of uh, that was also a concept of how like hades and death worked as a fairy man crossing in greek and grecan times so they just misinterpreted yeah that's what i'm saying i'm gonna just yeah. go ahead and say i know better than all the historians that i've had well no but like you research. clearly you know something i'm like that sounds right like that's, <laughs> i mean i'm not like none of us can be right it's the same thing as taylor it's all like folklore anyway but that does sound like right and then they were just like oh the fairy man was why she jumped off the cliff <laughs> The ferryman she was in love with. Wait, yeah, and I'm also I'm literally looking up Feon means a ferryman. That's why it says she killed herself by leaping from the cliffs due to her love for the ferryman. It's like, yeah, because she wanted to die, not because she the ferryman yeah. loved her. There wasn't ever a man. <laughs> Wait, that's so bizarre. Like the name Feon means ferryman. So, like, obviously his name wasn't fit. Like, this seems so... The str- the lengths that white men are going, exactly. that straight men are going to convince us that, like, she was not a lesbian is fucking yeah. nuts. And this is also why I went on Wikipedia, because I wanted to see... What's Sappho's public figure? Yes. Like, I wanted to be like, what, what's her <laughs> glitter gel pen story? <laughs> oh my god, bitch. Perfect. Exactly right. Like, this is a glitter gel pen storyline. For sure, for sure. This is Tree Pain's cover-up. Like... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Something about talking about Tree Pain and Sappho is, like, really making my brain glitch, but... (laughs) Um... Which also reminds me of the end of Out of the Woods when it says she lost him or she lost him but she found herself and somehow that was everything. Like, that's literally Sappho. Yes, yes. She lost her fairy van. Mm. That's really crazy. Um, I just thought this one was really funny because like, you can tell that it's just straight people not being able to read um, our secret language. Uh-huh. It says, consequently, many readers found Sappho's dialect difficult to understand. In the century, in the second century AD, the Roman author Apuleius, I can't pronounce any of these names, please, specifically remarks on its strangeness, and several commentaries on the subject demonstrate the difficulties that readers had with it. Wow. Yeah, that definitely seems like they just didn't want to understand it. Yeah, they're like, "Mm, I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, y'all have no problem interpreting anything any way you want but as soon as it comes to Sappho it's it's hard yeah and and Ooh, she's talking it. about a real ferryman and symbolism isn't a thing anymore <laughs> yeah a real ferryman named Mr. Ferryman <laughs> I mean it sounds like Hitler's like it sounds it's, yeah you're right 
like Hitler's interpreting Taylor's music on like the most face value possible and being yeah. like she said that's my man yeah you know yeah it's crazy okay and then Sappho was caricatured as a promiscuous heterosexual woman it's not until the Hellenistic period that the first sources, which explicitly discuss Sappho's homoeroticism, are preserved. And as late as the 10th century, the Suda records that Sappho was slanderously accused of having sexual relationships with female pupils. Slanderously accused. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I, um... I'm kind of, like, blown away by this. Is this not Taylor's storyline? Yeah, exactly. And then I wrote in the notes in parentheses, the archers are the first sources in question for Taylor. And then slanderously accused is Hitler language from the 10th century. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, I'm obsessed. That's my TikTok comments. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Why did she go from being seen as... A promiscuous heterosexual. Right. A.K.A. Taylor. A national lightning rod for slut shaming. Oh, well, still one of my favorite things Taylor's ever said. Yeah. And like, I'm just, whenever she said, whenever I see that clip of her saying that, I'm like, wow, Taylor's so smart. <laughs> it kind of, I kind of go, wow, she's like hot. Like when she says that, I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, that's I'm like, a good way to say it. Like, Yes, exactly. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. she's. She's smart. She really yeah. knows. Um, <laughs> so she does know that she was being slut <laughs> Okay, and then, and also, I rewatched the clip um, of her talking to Kanye for the first time in a while. And you know, when she's talking to Kanye, you know, in the the like recorded phone call, she says, "Everything that I do becomes a feminist think piece." Yikes. Taylor said that to him and it's like Yikes. oh my god that paired with I became a lightning rod for a national conversation on slut shaming paired with everything I do becomes a feminist thing piece I'm like she is so fucking smart in these moments where she's able to be candid in any capacity Mm-hmm. She really sees like white liberal feminism as ultimately being her enemy, and that's I think one of the reasons why she's been so, um, like, uh, non-committal in really aligning herself with it specifically. I I almost do think. Well, I mean, this is probably so fucking dumb of me to say because she's like the ultimate girl boss, like white liberal feminist in so many ways in her actions but it does seem like her actual intentions are very far from those intentions i agree and i think it's also fair to give her a little bit of grace in thinking about what she's done in the past say two years compared to before that and giving grace for like growth and like the level of growth that she's had i will say like, for example, going on right now is, like, all of the awful trans bills that are, like, being passed and written and um, sent and the awful. But 
and the, specifically the drag one in Tennessee. In Tennessee. And everyone is already upset that she hasn't spoken out and blah, 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 blah. But in my opinion, and something I'm, tr- I'm thinking about is um, she had Leif Ashley in her music video, which is like an action. That is yep. an action that gives me her stance. That is a yep. major action to make as Taylor Swift and to put that music video out in general. That was a very big deal. And all of the queer yep. people in that video, like, I think that that is advocacy. Like, that's advocacy. She paid and hired a trans model and several other trans models to be in, like, one of the biggest music videos of the year. Yeah. So even if she's not speaking out about that right the second, it's like she was doing trans advocacy before that bill was written, you know? And just yeah. because she's not posting an Instagram story the day that she hears the news doesn't mean that she isn't going to advocate, continue to advocate in the ways that she is. Do you know what I mean? And this isn't I to do. say that she's not still a white feminist figure overall, yeah. but like really looking and zooming in on her growth in the past couple of years I'm very interested to see where she's going to go from here like I'm interested to see what tour is going to look like in terms exactly of like her what I was advocacy that's why she's yeah. probably also not saying anything like duh she's not gonna Taylor doesn't post anything anymore like she's gonna yeah. say something on tour which will mean more than any so, Instagram right. story because Posting an Instagram story is just going to have, like, all these news articles written and it's going to distract from the actual issue. And they're going to start talking about Taylor Swift, not the actual trans people. <laughs> like, so, I don't know. Just I, something to think about if if anyone has been feeling that way. Also. I'm really grateful. I'm so grateful you said that because I think that we truly do just need to wait for Tor um, to really, like, judge whether she... To judge what, how, how, like, her next chapter of engaging with the fucked up things going on is. Mm-hmm. Because I almost do wonder if she, similarly to me, just got really, really, really burnt out of, like, the constant, like, lack of nuance that you're able to express given the like extremely short form like ways of communicating on the internet exactly. like it's all so short form um and everything is just given so much like space for like hyper in analysis and like just your haters so to speak like can real like like it's the absolute worst place to be say things and if that's you have right. a lot of people that don't like you or trust you it takes away from the issue at hand like she would be taking attention away from like real life trans people speaking on these issues if she were to yeah. put out a statement as taylor swift like to be quite honest i don't give a fuck what taylor swift thinks about the trans bills and i don't think that <sighs> anything she says is gonna help trans people either well, but I, mean, I think what like, does help trans people is her helping trans people in real life and like literally advocating for real life trans individuals in her in her day-to-day life which I she does, you know. Absolutely. And like she has 
always, always like been more comfortable speaking her truth on stage than in yeah. any other capacity. Like, yeah. like always, like that is really where she like kind of shines sharing things. And what I was going to say is that like, I think that's kind of the real issue with it is that you and I just like, we don't really care what Taylor Swift has to say about these things because like, again, it's like you and I are very like blessed to be in really like in uh, what word am I looking for? Like um, dynamic queer communities, like in our lives like we yeah. are surrounded by queer community and like we feel like very much like everywhere we turn this is being like spoken about and talked about and like both of us like are in community with people that are like actively you know changing things and making things better and like because of that it's just like you know I kind of, it is hard for me to see genuine good, more good coming from Taylor saying something than bad. Yeah. I think if anything, she has such a divisive, like, presence in the general public that anything she speaks on becomes, like, such a weird debate and becomes so, like, I don't know because people just want to hate on her so anything she talks about I feel like people will hate on just because she's talking about it and it's like the worst type of people that want to hate on her who are already probably transphobe so it's like do we want to give them kind of like another thing to talk about and like to shit on I don't know that's why speaking on tour is a good idea because it's it's her audience who yeah, exactly. no matter how many Hitlers there are, I would hope they aren't out there committing like literal hate crimes <laughs> like yeah. against queer people, even though it's a, it, we are victims of it on some days. Um. <clears throat> That's the thing, too. It's like I feel like she just is a lot more effective talking in person to all yeah. these like Hitlers. Like, yeah, actively having trans people and promoting drag in her music videos like is a really good thing to do and i think that if she's able to talk and speak authentically and like actually like stick up for these things in a very real way on tour then like that will have a much more much larger and strikingly positive than if she were just sharing things on her instagram stories yeah and from people who will listen and want to listen if they bought tickets to a taylor swift tour they obviously hold her exactly. to some level. So yeah, I mean, basically we're giving her like a week and a half of like, we'll see how grace. she, yeah, grace period. Yeah, like we'll see how she does it on tour. Yeah. <sighs> and you know, I can't even really get my hopes up because she might not say anything. I don't know. I don't know where she's at these days. I can't project high hopes onto her. But I have seen good things from her the past couple of years regardless of how silent she's been i don't think that that is um an indicator of a public figure's advocacy yeah yeah i know i really don't 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, her, her and Sappho, both slanderously accused of being gay. Yes, and slanderously accused of being slutty heterosexuals. Yeah. I just love that it says, the first sources that explicitly discuss Sappho's homer- homoeroticism are preserved. I'm like, that's us. That's the Archer's <laughs> that's podcast. That's us. The I first sources. <laughs> <laughs> it's simply not true also, but... No, of course. Um, the L chat. 2009 L chat. That's Truly that's our elders. Yeah. <laughs> um, historians argued that Sappho's feelings for other women were entirely idealistic and non-sensual. It was nothing but a friendly affection. And another said, one wonders what language Sappho would have used to describe her feelings if they had been one of sexual excitement. So they're basically saying, God, I can't imagine what her writing would have looked like if it were were sexually charged, if it had anything to do with her, her attraction or her sensuality. When all of it is about that. <laughs> I know. And, and like that, that again. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Sorry. The best part I found on this Wikipedia page. Among modern scholars, Sappho's sexuality is still debated. Someone named Andre Lardinios has described it as the great Sappho question. The Great Sappho Question. The Great Sappho Question. Can I ask you a question? (laughs) Can I ask you the Great Sappho Question? (laughs) I love that. But like the irony of it being a question when there is a solid answer. (laughs) Like we know Sappho was gay. It's not a great Sappho question. Just like we know that Taylor Swift is gay. It's not a can I ask you a question? I know Taylor Swift kissed someone in a crowded room and her friends were making mm-hmm. fun of her. I know all of these things mm-hmm. happened. Just like I know Sappho was a lesbian. It's not, this is not a, a great question. And I think the question list. could be based on that. Oh, I love that. I honestly love that. I would love to hear a remix of question. Can I ask you the great Sappho question? <laughs> <laughs> well truly what if she was referring to that in like her own yes. of, of like yeah the great taylor swift sexuality question in 50 years you know i mean uh, now i just <laughs> i just i the links that people will go to to deny that women could love each other and that like women don't exist just for men mm-hmm. like the absolute like the extreme extreme impossibility that so many people have in their heads that like women could exist for anything outside of men is so terrifying it is <sighs> it really is the fact that they would rather leave one of the greatest poets' identities a question rather they have to rather than accepting one of the truths that queer historians are putting forth, you know, 
They would rather leave it's... it a question than just have a history for one of the greatest poets of all time. I and know. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, exactly. That's Emily Dickinson as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they don't want to, they don't, they don't even want to know what the poems are about. Exactly. Just like how Hitler's and people committed to misinterpreting Taylor Swift's music don't actually want to know what her music is about. No. Yeah. Ex- so I they mean, generalize. Exactly. That is the way that Taylor fits into this lineage ultimately is just this like absolute obsession with like refusing to concede that they could and be gay centering them all of course obviously centering them all as objects of men's affection and i think that that's like one of the most painful things of like as a lesbian one of the most painful things of like conversations like this are a response from like bisexual people or straight people um that like well bisexuality exists like she could have killed herself over a male lover and have loved women like those both of those things can be true and it's just like i like of course that's true like of course like so many people of course the option of patriarchy is an option to believe a truth why would you want to defend that truth right now right and it's like like women aren't allowed to just love other women Mm-hmm. like women aren't allowed to do that like i just don't understand like if you're bisexual like don't you like don't you feel that like don't you understand that like mm-hmm. like what like bi people like don't you like don't you feel the difference between when you're perceived as gay and when you're perceived as straight mm-hmm. like we're not allowed to be gay Mm-hmm. And it's it's sad that bisexual people or people with that mindset in general, regardless, are erasing a part of their own identity by thinking in that way too. Because it's it's just thinking set in patriarchy is what it really yeah. is. Like, and it's like you in having a conversation about a poet being a lesbian and having beautiful relationships with women you feel the need to defend heterosexuality and therefore patriarchy yeah there's some subconscious programming that you got to work through (laughs) as as someone who is bisexual and has had that impulse before it's quite literally like a result of patriarchy weaseling into your brain and telling you no remember that men can still be a part of the narrative never forget that they that they still could be it's like yeah that's the fucking default that's the default i'm not talking about the default (laughs) i'm talking about this other third better thing (laughs) i know (sighs) yeah so it's just like it's so painful that 
that's just how it is for all of them it's like right now because taylor like is choosing to like not explicitly come out which uh you know we've done we've spoken a lot about how neither of us really expect that or want that from her in like a you know like that's not a primary need of ours but a result of it is is that she's following the lineage of like sappho and emily dickinson two women who weren't able to explicitly like name and Mm -hmm. ensure that their sexuality was like known and validated in history Mm -hmm. Um, and couldn't be argued over couldn't be argued over yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and it's just like it's enough like it's like like which is pathetic in general why why have ownership over someone's like sexuality in that way even like it's just it's all so ridiculous and it's all sorry it's just it, it all interconnects into patriarchy colonialism and yeah even when talking about white women like Emily Dickinson and Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Even when talking about these women, there's so many deeper intersections going yeah. on. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I just can't imagine having... <laughs> Like, such a public identity in the sense that so many people think that they can defend it in any way. Mm -hmm. Or even, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just just crazy. I would hate to be Sappho. I would hate to be Emily Dickinson. I would hate to be Taylor Swift. And no matter, here's the other part of it that's sick and twisted. No matter how much any of these women said that they loved women Mm -hmm. exclusively, no matter how much they said it or didn't say it, they would still be misconstrued. If Sappho wrote word for word, I am only attracted to women in every sense of the word, sexually, emotionally, like wrote it word for word, laid it out for the historians, they'd be like, but what does she mean? I don't. Yeah. Still a great question. She's writing from the ferryman's perspective. She's right, writing from right. The she's writing fiction. Now she's now she's a fiction writer. And I mean, this is the thing with all queer, like every single queer author throughout time. Like, mm. if we only get fragments of their writing, we don't, and we don't get any like journal. Like, it is here's the date. This is my legal name. I am under penalty of perjury i'm telling the truth like i'm gay like short of that literally every writer that has any queerness it's like well i think that they might have just been friends or like actually shakespeare just wrote from a woman's perspective when he wrote about like how hot young guys are mm-hmm. and um like it and same with um <sighs> like Herman Melville and uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne like 
so many of these like male relationships female relationships between writers like virginia wolf eleanor roosevelt it's like people don't want to hear it they just don't want to hear it it's also as if (laughs) it's also as if these historians expect gay people who are being literally like persecuted from the beginning of time for being gay they expect them to name their queerness and like certify themselves as gay and they're like no we'll leave it as a big question we don't know she would have said if she was like no she wouldn't have (laughs) i know i know exactly emily dickinson would not have let y'all know if she was a lesbian because she no, been, no, like, what was no. she gonna say? <laughs> it's like, what did you think was going on? How do you think queer people were I existing know. before we had to so come out? Dumb. Like, what? Oh, yeah, I'm which is sorry so much. This rant, I just <laughs> no, but I just it's it's like this is what we're dealing with here. It's like, yeah, we're fuck. It's what do you think being closeted means? Yeah. <laughs> They build the closets around us and then they go, mm, I feel like they would have came out if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, where's the key, bitch? <laughs> like, you didn't even make a door. What are you yeah. talking about? <sighs> Jesus Christ. It's literally, okay, this is the, it's, okay. They build a closet around us and then these authors are sending letters from underneath the door. They're in the closet, but they keep pushing out letters. That's like, mm-hmm. I'm gay. I'm gay. I'm gay. Yeah. And this it's is like, me if trying were to really get out. gay, they would get out of the box. <laughs> if you were really gay, you would just like figure out how to get out. Yeah. It's like, okay, so Oscar Wilde was like, yeah, bitch, I'm gay. Explicitly. Like, he was like, I need to be gay. Like, Walt Whitman to an extent. But even now, like, I've heard American literature professors were like, Hey, he was just slutty. He wasn't gay. Like, he would have sex with anyone. What's up with that? They just, they mistake anything gay as slutty, too. They were like, Sappho was just a slut. Taylor Swift was just a slut. Like, what are you talking about? Because they're talking about a sensuality that you don't understand. You automatically assume it's that they're being promiscuous. Exactly. Like, they and and which is like fine and well like being slutty is good and it's important to have sluts their history like Walt Whitman was slutty for sure but Walt Whitman was also flaming homosexual like flaming slutting with Um, men yes like and probably also slutting with women whatever but it's like I just feel like instead of this being like by erasure when people are like well they could have like men and women really i think that this that like again that desire to never allow people to be gay actually gay is because straight people are terrified of these artists having a like revolutionary identity mm-hmm. and like be not being part of straight culture mm-hmm. like the idea that they could look up to someone that didn't you know mm-hmm. follow the rules of society and have like rigid gender and sexuality norms is like fucking terrifying to historians so they would rather frame it as promiscuity they would rather frame it as like open-mindedness like sluttiness than as having a like political identity of being queer and being gay and prioritizing like gayness and like non-normative sexuality 
it's also just yeah that's like colonialism erasing exactly like, like queerness anything going against like even like political ideologies yeah. by your identity that part of you needs to be erased because as americans in america that's dangerous for people to know yeah that you can live in that way because god forbid we have a revolution again like fuck um i was gonna say that earlier too having to do with swifties in general and Mm -hmm. um some gaylers to be honest that um Mm -hmm. because we don't give a fuck about labels here we've said that several times i don't Mm -hmm. want or like taylor giving giving taylor labels like that's not our prerogative um but totally the discourse happens in the gayler community obviously and i think it is rooted in lesbophobia for people to automatically jump and be like well she could be bi some of her relationships with men could have been real though it's like mm-hmm. yeah we're kind of working off of that base knowledge we know we've heard it for the past however many decades that she has relationships. yeah like that's not what we're talking about <laughs> that's yeah. not what the gayler community is here to discuss so it's exactly and that is rooted in lesbophobia regardless if they know it or not when they like have the rhetoric of well she couldn't be by like let's not assign a label onto her it's like it's okay to That's explore it's okay to explore it you don't have to i think that people are a straight people especially i think that straight people are being are like being driven by not only lesbophobia but by like an invalidation of the term bisexual like like when they're like oh well she could be bi aka not really gay yeah like bi isn't really straight like she can still be normal yeah that's another thing that i'm like really taken aback by like that's a real thing that straight people feel about bisexuals especially like bi women Mm -hmm. is that like oh well they're in a phase like they're like that like they'll probably still marry a guy like just because you're attracted to women doesn't mean that you know like you're a goner you're completely lost like you can still be with a guy and it's like that does like that can't feel good as a bisexual person to hear that that like that's how straight people view your queerness and that i think is like a huge problem with like the the um like so many straight people being like oh well she could be bi gaylers it's like so many gaylers do think she's bi but bi is still like a political queer identity and that's why the biphobia discourse actually always leads back to lesbophobia <laughs> as well. Because, yes. like, that is how people describe biphobia a lot. I don't really know. Everyone means something different when they use that word. But from what totally. I know, a lot of the biphobia discourse revolves around people not seeing it as, like, being actually gay and, like, whatever. Like, that mindset of straight people. Like, well, yeah. you're, like, half gay. <laughs> like, totally. But that in and of itself... Yes, it's harmful to buy people that, like, have to hear that and, like, it's invalidating to your identity. But also, on the flip side, it's rooted in lesbophobia. So when we talk yeah. about biphobia, it's, it's rooted in lesbophobia. And, or, or, conversely, for men, homophobia. like Or transphobia, also. Well, it, uh, yeah, or transphobia. People, the way bisexual discourse happens 
often includes transphobic language as well <laughs> or yes. at least not trans inclusive language which is transphobic yeah um so that's also an aspect that's tough that's why biphobia is always such a fucking difficult conversation in general because it is all of these intersecting issues that people yeah. are naming as biphobia but truly it's like patriarchy transphobia lesbophobia homophobia in general like it's all of these things that biphobia is wrapped like wrapped up with that word that's yeah. like an easy name to put on it but truly it's just a general lack of understanding of queerness yeah because when straight people okay this is the thing when I think that when straight people are biphobic, what that what they're actually doing is they're being homophobic when yes. straight people are. It's because just to a bi person or about yes. bisexuality. So it's then about it's bisexuality. But it's actually not a separate thing. <laughs> exactly. It's it's still rooted in homophobia. Mm-hmm. Um because like it's the 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 idea that you are gay that they're uh, like not believing. Not the sh- and, not not the bisexual yeah, part. It's the gay exactly. part of the bisexuality. And then within gay culture, I think mm-hmm. biphobia, like when you, when you would say that a lesbian is being biphobic to you, mm. like what you're actually like experiencing isn't them being upset with you for being bi. It's mm-hmm. them being like upset upset at patriarchy at patriarchy and like heterosexual like heterosexism exactly invading their space yes because that is valid but call it that well so this is the thing is that like you identifying as bisexual like i like you are a hundred percent queer you know what i mean like you're not 50 percent queer 50 percent straight like you are a hun- you and that also reinforces binaries like I don't that's know what, what i'm that saying means. exactly like, <laughs> like exactly <laughs> but there are truly some people in this world that view their bisexuality as one foot in gay culture one yeah. foot in straight culture yeah. and it's like i think it's very reasonable for gay people including fellow bisexuals that are 100% see themselves as 100% queer yeah. To be like, why are you bringing straightness into this? Yeah. Yeah. And like when we're talking about Sappho, for example, like, yes. can you imagine if I was like, okay, but we can't really rule out the possibility that she could have be- liked men. Like, I don't know. Yes. It's like, uh, that's not the point. <laughs> like, that's it's quite not literally the point. not why we're here. And when we talk about queer figures, that's not why we're there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, And I do feel like we have a tendency to do that with Taylor where we'll be like, well, we don't know what's going on with her and Jeff. We don't know. But it's kind of more so like, I think we both know that she's not really <laughs> not really yeah. into men. <laughs> but like, <laughs> we can't say for sure, but like, from what yeah. I see with my well, eyes. And that's the other thing too, is like, we all know like, that's the thing it's like you can have real relationships with men at one point in your life and now identify as a lesbian and you can have real relationships with men identify as a lesbian in your early 20s 
and then come back to like being interested in men in your late 20s and like sexuality for a lot of people is very fluid and like i think that the only thing we know for sure is that taylor is deeply cementing herself in queer history and like queer community and queer identity like she is gasping breathing begging to be seen Mm -hmm. as gay and like as queer and like we are picking up on all of these symbols and it's like at the end of the day like it doesn't matter if she's been with men or is attracted to men because she wants to be in her queerness and seen as queer yeah and she wants to only be around queer people yeah only work with queer people yeah and it's insane to think a straight person would do that no, it, it it's insane. I yeah. I don't even know a straight person, but I don't know a straight person that would. And it, exactly, and it's insane to think that she's like, like that if she is bisexual, then that is gay light, or like spicy straight. I know, like, and that she's not like she's she's not a real gay if she's bisexual. Like, if you're straight like stop fucking thinking of bisexuality that way obviously none of you would be listening to that (laughs) i'm so sorry i'm not yelling at you any of our straight listeners um but like and then similarly it's like again if you're bi if you identify as bi and you do see yourself as 50 percent straight 50 percent straight or 50 percent queer 50 percent straight like if you do feel like you have to walk that line, like I'm not really talking about your experience either because like, that's not where I see Taylor at this point in her life. Like I see her desperate to just be in queer community Mm -hmm. and surround herself with queer community. And at the end of the day, queer community isn't about like whether you find certain genders uh, like attractive. Mm -hmm. It's like, like, yeah. It's so it's much bigger than that. And ideology it's and it's it's political and spiritual and energetic and it's all of those yes. things. It's not who you're yes. having sex with. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I I love that when we get into really heavy conversations like this, we end up so upset. Um, but I want to ground both of us really quick because this is what always gets me through conversations like this, is mm-hmm. remembering that everyone that's listening to us, I would hope, probably agrees with us on most of what we're saying. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not really defending ourselves in any way right no, now. No, totally not. <laughs> no. I just get in such a Sagittarius mindset of where I, like, forget that I'm not arguing with anyone. Like, yes. No okay, me too. me too. Like, as much as these are gripes that I'm sure our audience deals with and is like also thinking about, so I'm glad that we got them out. Yeah. I'm so glad that we're not around people that act like this or have these yeah. kind of ideas. Like I see people yes. on Twitter on my timeline. I see people on TikTok. I see that's about it. I see people on my little phone. <laughs> yes, that yes, say yes. Stupid things like all the things that we just ranted about. And thank God not a single one of them is physically in my life yes thank god thank god i know i'm like that is truly absolutely a blessing a privilege and a blessing to be sure and shout out to all my bisexuals (laughs) that's right (sighs) shout out to all my bisexuals 
Oh my gay light. Ugh. Diet gay. Diet gay, exactly. I've always floated around from bi to pan to sexually fluid to I have like twelve different labels. Right. I mean, I I I feel like there's a I mean, you know that a lot of times I feel like so disconnected from lesbian culture just being like a femme who's in love with another femme and kind of like the just what it means to be like a femme um like f-e-m-m-e and um yeah i mean a lot of times i feel so like i mean there are genuinely like a lot of lesbians that like think that you cannot be a femme lesbian if you like aren't attracted to like if you are attracted to other femmes and for that it's like okay like if that's the case then like i guess i'm not a lesbian because i'm like not going By to derive that like right exactly and so it's like what i don't know the only term in the world that makes me feel safe and good is like femme yeah f-e-m-m-e it's it's about and to me finding... that's my gender and my sexuality yeah that's why it's just like it's hard when language is like used in so many ways especially the way that it's used just like around you and in your life influences so much of how you use it yourself so yeah. like that's why labels are always so complicated because i hate the word bisexual because of the prefix bi implying two that already goes against right. my entire moral value system of of no there not being any such thing as black and white and like yeah. binaries in general my entire moral system growing up was like i don't understand what's going on in the world because everything is multifaceted and people talk about things like they're not i'm confused um so that word's complicated. Pansexuality is complicated because it has a weird connotation with transphobia, even though it's not. But then some people take it as it is because it was misinterpreted. And then, you know, like uh, it, all of these things. Right. And that's why the label is just one aspect of it. Right. Exactly. It's just the yeah. surface aspect of everything else going on within you and around you. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you are a femme loving femme. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And to I, me, I, I think too. that's the most lesbian experience. Uh, you're going to get canceled. Not to, for that, no, I know. <laughs> the most lesbian experience for you to have is really what I mean. Yes. Like, I know. Yeah. That truly is your lesbian experience. And I know. That I mean, that's the thing. God, I mean, like, I live such a lesbian life. Like, I just am a lesbian. You're like, I promise you guys. That's the thing. I don't really give a fuck. Like, I know. I'm 31. <laughs> that is I'm the thing. You live the most lesbian life. You literally are married to your beautiful wife. You guys yeah. eat your cute little dinners. And right. you put your hair in matching pink space buns to match your headphones and your, and your sweater. And yeah that's that's pretty gay right 
yeah, so I don't really need people to believe that I'm a lesbian. And also, again, like, this is a made-up problem that I don't experience in real life. Exactly. That's what I always go back to. I'm like, who is actually saying this? Little icons Ooh. on my phone. <laughs> like, I'm just sitting around campfires with all of my other lesbian friends. <laughs> like, all of us being gay together. And exactly. everyone's, like, happy. And I'm like, then I go on Twitter and I'm like, oh, is my life a made up is none of that yeah. real <laughs> a very similar experience happened to me a couple months ago where i was like oh my god maybe i'm like i'm like gaslighting myself like am i not gay like i don't know like am i not gay because i don't have i don't have like a label for myself and i can't pick a, a label and that confuses people maybe i'm in the wrong and then i had like a zoom party with all of my <laughs> my gay friends and i go just i just want to ask you guys what's like your guys's label because i don't I'm having trouble, and I'm like, I I don't know what your guys' like labels actually are. So like, how do you guys label your sexuality? And they were all like, I don't really label it. I I'm queer. Right. Yes, I'm I'm gay. And I was like, oh, thank God. Okay, so okay, I'm right, 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 right. I just surround myself. Right, we're just all gay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It really wakes me up. Like, I'm like, these are the real people that I give my time and energy to. Uh, Exactly. And I'm so grateful for that. Like, I'm really, really grateful that both of us have, like, that's how, that's why we know each other. That's why we're friends is because, like, we've just committed our entire lives to being in queer community. Yeah. That's all we surround ourselves with, like, by choice. Yeah. And, um yeah it's just like really sad i think that 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 like people aren't as kind of like open-minded and like accepting as we are what is sad is that we are privileged to have our in real life queer communities and not a lot of people have that online especially especially younger people or people in yeah in like physical situations where they like literally can't have queer community and then the discourse they see online kind of if like i was a teenager right now like 14 and seeing the queer discourse happening i can't imagine what i would think about like my own queerness and about queer community and like it would would really freak me out yeah so i think about that's more of the upsetting aspect is like I can get past my own insecurity of like, oh, other people don't see me as gay enough. Like that, I can get past. I absolutely yes. (laughs) This is gonna affect young young people, queer people, like this discourse. When the internet used to be so such a thriving place for queer community, and it still is in so many senses, but like. You have to look a lot harder. Yeah. You have to look a lot harder to find like um like really niche kind of like loving like community, I think. Safe uh, safe spaces like spaces where people can hold each other accountable in real ways. Yeah. It's a lot harder to find those things. Um Yeah, I mean, I just feel like I really grew up in or like was on online and like learning about gender theory and like sec- like queer theory at a time when like the internet was like really warm and cozy. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. like 2011, 2012 to 2014, like Tumblr times in my early 20s. Like I was just in like a community of like fat femmes on Tumblr Those and all of us dressed so, so amazing. And so small. Yes. So small and curated and so encouraging and like life affirming and like just so like not white centered mm-hmm. and so like gender non-conforming like so many trans women and like trans feminine people I just feel like I really like got to experience queerness at like a pivotal time before like you know I kind of like got together with Lizzie and like we have now built this like lesbian life together like Mm -hmm. I just was like so held when I was figuring out my identity and I just will always remember like finding the word femme for the first time and like the joy that that felt like really being seen as like for so long you know I didn't even feel like I was seen by the world as like a woman just because of like being fat my whole life and like never being able to really shop at the same places as my peers growing up and like really starting in like middle school high school like having to shop at like you know like old lady stores to find clothes that fit like business casual plus size business yes pitch exactly like having to do that and like I did luckily because I because I am like gay like and like I love I've always loved pop culture and like I've always loved like fashion and stuff like I did like make it work like I did always have like aesthetics yeah I always exactly I always followed Tim Guns and Vice and um yeah but it wasn't until like a part of making it work and, and like being able to like feel secure in my identity was like having a more like butch-ish aesthetic you know of like wearing like skinny jeans and like punk clothing and like band t-shirts right because that was your way to like stand out and be like i promise hey i promise i'm not a straight girl wearing wearing the girly girl clothes that's straight girl stuff i'm gay i promise (laughs) exactly and granted in high school i still was like a straight ally but i was like the president of the gsa like i did not want to be straight i did not want to be seen as straight even though like for all intents and purposes the idea of someone that's the thing too in high school is that again like i think my gender is so tightly wrapped to being like to having like grown up and be fat because like Mm -hmm. I never wanted anyone to think about my sexuality at all because then they would think about you naked yes yes bitch exactly and or they would think that I was like a desperate fat girl who wanted a boy Mm -hmm. like that always terrified me too like the idea that if any boy ever thought I was attracted to them like that would kill me because like I just didn't want boys to ever think about me that way in any capacity Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and like girls it's like I was so terrified because I was like bigger than every other girl like I was like oh my god they're gonna see me as a predatory lesbian mm, yeah and then like when I found out about femme identity my literal freshman year my first semester of college I took intro to LGBT studies and mind you this was after three 
more than three years of going to so many like teen LGBT conferences. Like, <laughs> so like this was not my introduction to queerness. Like I'd been studying queerness for years and years, but never ever ever did we folk did we study femme lesbian identity like i had never heard of femme lesbian identity as a political identity as a separate thing that exists and i felt like so head over heels in love like i was like everything about me finally makes sense like i just want to dress girly like and i only want to think about girls yeah like I just I want to dress girly because it's all I think about because it's all I think about like I just and I don't want to be like uh, and it's just so hard because it's like again like we were talking about last week or maybe the week before about like TikTok trends that are really annoying me and like the older I get the more like identifying with womanhood is something that I just don't fucking relate to like even though I'm hyper, like I so hyper identify with femininity and being feminine, it's like this whole trad wife tradition that's like this trad wife kind of culture that's growing, um, paired with like white liberal feminism that's growing, and just the kind of like weaponization of womanhood by like the left and the right in like recent years. It like I once loved identifying as a feminist and now I'm like feminism has been wielded by like evil people for the purposes mm-hmm. of evil and like womanhood and identifying as womanhood and this idea of like womanhood as like a community has only been like isolating to me as a lesbian as a fat lesbian yeah, yeah. and so it's like I just at this point identify as a femme Like, that is my gender. Like, I am so much more feminine than any, like, straight woman is comfortable with me being. Mm -hmm. Radically femme. Radically femme. Like, the pillow princess. That is me. Mm -hmm. You're like, yeah, I'm femme. I'm a girly girl. I wear dresses and skip around in flowers. And I'm married to another woman. And I'm married to another woman. And I'm doing it because I'm married to another woman, not because I want a man's attention. Yes! Yeah, that's radical. Yes. Because historically, being a girly girl is to get the attention of men. Like, that trope is for male gaze. And that's not what it is. That's girlhood. That's that's girlhood. That's not yes. for men. And you're reclaiming that. And that's beautiful. I truly think about it every day. And like about your femme, ident- femme identity every day. Because I have such a weird thing with my gender of like, I love when I do want to be girly girl. And I also yeah. love when I don't. So every day I have to check in with myself before I get dressed because that's how we express gender in this world. And I have to be like, where am I at today? Am I like Katie Femme vibes or am I like they them vibes? <laughs> in the be- in the oh most simple way to put it. And I do think about you every time I go in my head of like, what's my vibe today? And I'm Are like, you kidding? That's no, so I'm not. Sweet. Because your idea of like being femme is so ingrained in that part of my brain of what it means because it like makes sense to me it's so ingrained in there that the minute that I have to use that part of my brain to like get dressed in the morning of like what look am I going for it it 
I do think about you. And it's, I just, ah, it's so sacred. It's so sacred and important. And it's something I didn't even know until you really explained it to me. I've seen discourse about it online and in my classes and stuff, but I didn't know it or understand it until I met you and your identity, like as a femme. And Lizzie too. You guys both like. Right. Well, that's the thing too, is Lizzie is also like diehard, like does not like really Lizzie does not like to be referred to as a woman, like really mm-hmm. finds it uncomfortable and has felt this way for years and years. Mm-hmm. Um and that is something that's like very new to me. But like let like <laughs> so I almost called her lesbian. Lizzie. <laughs> Sorry. Lizzie. <laughs> my nickname for her lesbian um lizzie hardcore identifies as a femme too so 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 hardcore and similarly we both grew up on those tumblr spaces like like she like fat femme tumblr culture like really pulled her out of like disordered eating and like bad like you know anti-body stuff into Mm. like a place where like it just pulled her into like gender euphoria and like queerness and being able to like really recover from like intense comp head like mm-hmm. so femme identity has meant like so so much to her too and yet if you look at us on like the average day like we do seem like we have different like like that both of us wouldn't be femme mm-hmm. like you know, like there are days, of course, where we dress in matching outfits. Um, <laughs> but like, she also is, she really loves pants. Like, Lizzie loves wearing jeans. I mean, it's not just in how you dress. That's the thing. That's, yeah, it's exactly. In the, it's in it life. Has nothing to do with because all, whether Lizzie's wearing so jeans, <laughs> Lizzie's also probably in her like herbalist workspace, like yes. putting potions together. If that's not the most femme thing, like whether she's wearing pants or not, doesn't matter. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the other confusing thing is that like jeans can be so like mask, obviously, but the same exact jeans can be so femme. It's like clothing really, really runs the gamut. You speak through it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (sighs) Yes. So so complicated, all of it. I know. Sorry I went on this little tangent about gender. It's just like, I don't know. It's really hard to not think about these things. Like when we're really like talking about how queer people have been viewed and like framed for thousands of years and how that affects our queer identities in the present day and not just me and you i'm sure these thoughts are shared amongst other members of our community it's like as we speak these things even if it sounds like it's just individual experiences me and you right now i'm sure someone listening is gonna be like oh my god yeah i thought the same thing or like i felt that same way oh wow there's other people experiencing like it's just talking about this shit no matter how hard it is it's a part of queer evolution truly and building community because it's like let's recognize the telepathy that happens in all of our thoughts and the patterns that we've all Mm. carried due to having the same ideas about gender and sexuality from history you know and the context we all have in our own subconscious brains I feel like this season, we without meaning to, like, 
since we're going into so much history, we're also going into a lot of like theory and stuff. Yeah. And unintentionally, like I didn't think we were going to, but it makes sense now that I'm now that we've like gone a few episodes because I'm like, because we're talking about history. And when you talk about queer history, you start theorizing of like what that means now and like Mm -hmm. how that affects the now, you know? Yeah, which, you know, like I think really goes into like the first kind of like getting back to Taylor, the Mm -hmm. first like Sappho connection I noticed Mm -hmm. about Taylor um, has been like affecting me so much recently. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. So do you want to jump in to talking about like the little similarities between Taylor's lines and Sappho's lines? Yes. We will we'll like cap off the episode with like a beautiful poetry reading and annotation of some Sappho fragments and and relating to Taylor's lyrics. And Perfect. I asked I mean, Katie to read them because Katie is so fucking good at reading in general, like reading aloud. As you can tell from like the ASMR like Tupelo story from Gala Fest, <laughs> but also just in general reading poetry Mm, anyone who's listened to our other poetry episodes knows that because i literally sit here and i'm like oh my god like i'm in english class i'm being read to Mm. in a way that i'm understanding for the first time ever so take the floor katie please okay so this is from I'm going to start, I'm going to start in kind of like the chronological order that Madison set it out, um, because we'll get to kind of like my introduction um, to Sappho and Taylor connections next. So I'm going to start with Sappho's fragment entitled Fragment 168B, and that is... The moon and the Pleiades have set. It is midnight. Time is passing, but I sleep alone. And that one is nicknamed the Midnight's Poem. Mm, Midnight's Poem, yes! So, I mean, first of all, wild. The moon and the Pleiades. Mm. And so the Pleiades, of course, is... um like the star like constellation the Pleiades um and it's like the seven muses right I think so yeah yeah so again like the moon and the Pleiades so like two like the super feminine like womanly um you know ruled by Diana Mm. um in Roman and then Artemis in Greek, um, or not Artemis? Is that yeah. Artemis? Yeah. Moon? Okay, great. Artemis in Greek. So this like womanly figure, and then the Pleiades, so the seven muses. So all these like celestial women figures have set. It is midnight. Time is passing, but I sleep alone. So tailor coded so midnight it's exactly like the thesis of midnight it is is. the moon is out and all of my muses are gone i'm still Mm -hmm. alone and time is still passing and the way that it's like Mm 
going through her discography midnights and like all of these midnights throughout her life. It's Ugh. all of these nights that she spent alone. Yes. Without her muses. But I sleep alone. And also, I just love the interpretation of but I sleep alone. Yes. Like, again, that's very much, you know, like, dear reader Taylor being mm-hmm. like, if you knew that I was going home to my bed all alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that word but is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah. Remember when we were so shocked in New Year's Day about the but? That's like, but don't read the last page. But I said two buts in a row. And we were like, she really says but twice? That sounds so off. (laughs) (laughs) Sappho. Sappho did it first. (laughs) Just the fact that it's so prominent in this reminds me of, like, how exactly. it changed the meaning of New Year's Day so much. Exactly. Like, it does a lot of work because it's using it because it's assuming that you have a different assumption. That you would be sleeping with the muses. Yeah. Not that you're just sleeping alone under the stars, but that an implication of, but I would be sleeping with the muses, but I'm alone. Yes, exactly. Oh. Sappho. <laughs> Who was her beard? Like, <laughs> I guess the the seaman, the fairy man, not the seaman, the fairy but... man, the seaman, <laughs> sort of seaman, yeah, ay, ay, ay. yeah, the fairy man was her beard. Um, if you hear my roommate playing banjo in the background, just <gasps> just ignore that. I mean, oh I'm not gonna ask them to stop because I kind of like right, it. Right, right. But if you hear it, that it's you're not going crazy. There is banjo playing in the background. <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed. That I can understand why you'd like that. I always like when they're playing music. They're like a very talented musician, and I get to hear mm. music all the time. It's nice. Yeah, that's that's a blessing. Yeah, but just wanted to point that out because sometimes I'm listening to podcasts and I like take my headphone in and out, and I'm like, what am I hearing? <laughs> now that we now we know it's a banjo in the yeah. background. <laughs> so yeah i mean like you that's exactly right like this is midnight's having it referred to as the midnight's poem like that's incredible yeah one of her most famous ones too which is telling Mm -hmm. right exactly because like there's only so much obscure research that taylor can be doing exactly yeah so this is one of the first ones to pop up yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, the, so the next one is arguably Sappho's most famous line, um, especially in sapphic circles, because again, it speaks to this thing that we're talking about constantly, um, which is queer ancestry, queer lineage, and the passing down of stories. And so this is Sappho fragment 147. Someone will remember us, I say. Even in another time. Someone will remember us, I say. Even in another time. Like, unreal. Just unreal power and meaning. Especially considering the constant erasure that we've been talking about today. It touches on so much in that one 
Because it implies that it implies us. Mm-hmm. It implies a group of people who mm-hmm. otherwise isn't remembered in the present moment or acknowledged in the present mm-hmm. moment. It implies a future history where they are acknowledged mm-hmm. and some sort of like hope for that. Mm-hmm. So like how, how like how do you get all of that in in these like ten words like exactly. you imply rest and has hope one day for like some sort of renaissance mm. and the implication of like someone because it's like someone else will understand us and see yes. it. Exactly. And it's that knowledge that she, it's like that prophetic knowledge that it will be trying to be erased. It will be passed down, even if it's erased. And there will be someone that will pick up on it correctly and remember it correctly. Remember it as it was. We will be remembered. We will be known. Like the ultimate, just the ultimate, like, queer affirmation refusal to be erased refusal to be erased and again it's that like knowing that queer people you know traditionally have not been able to reproduce like queer couples Mm -hmm. cannot be reproduced uh typically so like for the vast amount like for the vast majority of queers throughout history like there is no genial line of queer people it's all this abstract chosen family and like Mm -hmm. the passing of knowledge and art and stories folklore and like that's just like what a blessing to be a part of that like you don't even need genealogy yeah to to pass down to pass down lineage and culture and and what a beautiful beautiful resistance that is like in nature honestly like on like a very large scale of like queerness existing in this world for that reason like the resistance of allowing evolution to only be one thing or allowing family to only be one thing or to only look one way, you know? Like, yes. That's such a, uh, I don't know what the word is. It's such a, like, oppositional idea, even concept for queerness mm-hmm. to exist and to not have like a reproducing lineage in that way. It's radical, you know? definitely like yeah we will be remembered even if we don't have kids to carry on our legacy seriously yeah and it's like it's just very 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 comforting Mm -hmm. to to know that that also like that not reproducing and like not having children is a part of queer history for sure Mm -hmm. like just really I don't know. I'm just, I'm really grateful for, again, that, like, 
through the preservation of so many queer people in the past, like, we are able to, like, remember Sappho and, like, live Sappho and, like, live what she was talking about every day. Like, and I think that's why it struck me so much when someone made a, like, little fan graphic of two hands um, together forming a heart. Uh, it was, like, speak now um, colors with, with like, Taylor's hands supposedly, like, holding a heart with the lines from Long Live, we will be remembered. I think that graphic came from the Instagram um, gifts, like, the official Instagram gifts that Taylor Nation put out for, like, Speak Now TV or something, too. Is that true? I'm pretty sure. I Okay, because that's the thing. So I thought that it was official merch, but then I saw stuff that was like, oh, no, this is fan mock-up made Oh, because they also had, like, the koi gifts, right? The, yes, the koi exactly. Yeah. But I don't know, though, because a similar thing happened before Red, where, sh- where there were little gifts really? released on Instagram, right before Red TV. So I thought that they were real. Okay, well, interesting. Like that, I think will be really amazing to see if she singles but out. But either this way, line either way, that line it's still is a Taylor line <laughs> because it's like "Long Live" closes out "Speak Now." She closed out. I'm pretty sure the "Speak Now" tour with that song. She's definitely yeah. going to perform it um, at Eras tour. I think. Yeah, I agree. It's really seems like absolutely like she said it's one of her favorite songs to sing with. Uh, fans i just love Um, that she was writing about folklore and this idea of like queer lineage even back in speak now right exactly exactly and the official story for this song is so um bizarre because the official story is that it's about um like scott borchetta and um, oh, like her career in like records. Yes, exactly. And it's like bizarre because the lyrics themselves are so like so obviously about gay people and queerness. Mm-hmm. Like it's about it's like a gay rights song. And it's also about like knocking down institutions and it's like yes. okay if this is about big machine then you're saying <laughs> long live the walls we crashed through like long live yeah. all the shit that we tore down i mean and also this being written right around the time shelly wright came out right after exactly. shelly wright came out come on yeah no this and she like used perfect- some exact yeah. wording that shelly used in a couple oh. of her her like in her book and her speeches and stuff yes. like that of like standing with shaking hands and being remembered as a hero and crashing through walls like all very similar like because it's gay language because it's because yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's gay revolution exactly. language <laughs> yeah yeah that doesn't surprise me at all like again like this like it's just amazing when you really narrow it down to just that line it's like holy shit that's sappho's that's the sappho line yeah do you think that she wrote long live and knew that it sounded like sappho because i think she did i think she did too and that's the thing i think that's again like 
one of those things that straight people and and people really invested in Taylor's heterosexuality um, are going to try to gaslight us into thinking is a coincidence. Like, yeah, it's just a line. Like, it's just a sentence. Like, it's about something like totally the different. The hairpins and the and the bricks and. But I, the reality is, is no. That song is yeah. gay. That song is about like gay rights, and she's quoting Sappho. And even if she had no idea who Sappho was, had never read that line before, she was tapping into queerness in the other dimension. Therefore, it was still about Sappho, so I don't really care. Absolutely. Both ways, it's still divine and and magical. Yeah. Yeah. As queerness is. As it always is. (laughs) Okay. Um, The last Um, segment is pretty long. Just forewarning segment the next fragment is pretty long but it is one of her longest fragments that they have of hers Mm -hmm. and they believe that this is the only complete piece they're pretty sure that this one is complete wow and it'll be the only one okay she thought you were like a goddess revealed in splendor and found in your singing her deepest delight but now she is conspicuous among the Lydian women. As when the sun sets, the rose-fingered moon subdues all the stars. She throws her light alike across the salty sea and over the flowering fields. A beautiful dew is poured down and the roses flourish. The delicate chevril and the flowering clover And often as she wanders, remembering gentle Athos, desire gnaws in her slender breast, and pain eats out her heart. I'm obsessed because that that phrase, like, eat your heart out, is, like, one of my absolute favorite phrases. Like, I, I, like, love the imagery of that. And I've always loved it, so I'm obsessed that it ends with pain eats out her heart. You literally, Sappho invented eat your heart out. Yes! Oh my god, eat your heart out is gay language, and you get to carry that with you now. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Yeah, just that that idea of like being so overcome with like yearning that you eat your heart out, like obsessed. Yeah, desire gnaws at her. <laughs> gnaws. I also love, love, love the line: "When the sun sets, the rose-fingered moon subdues all the stars." Yeah, that I mean, like that is really so 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 beautiful. Um, yeah, let me reread that section. It sounds like blood moon lit. Exactly right. And then okay, so as when the sun sets, the rose fingered moon subdues all the stars. She throws her light alike across the salty sea and over flowering fields. A beautiful dew is poured down. And the roses flourish, the delicate chervil, and the flowering clover. So again, blood moon with rose-fingered moon. First of all, if Taylor had said rose-fingered moon, Gaylor's... No, I Listen, mean... 
Yeah, Rose listen. Fingered Moon may as well be what I fucking heard when I heard. Blood yeah, I mean Lake. exactly because it's blood all I man. all I thought about was oh oh my god, Blood Moon Lake <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> like Taylor. literally, the very first time I heard it, I was like, <gasps> "That's so." <laughs> and then that's why when I was reading this poem, the first thing I saw was Rose Fingered Moon, and I was like, "Oh, that's what she meant." So it is what she meant. It is what she meant. So she was um, taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The rose-fingered moon, the roses flourish, delicate chervil and flowering clover. Like that's very, very tailor coded. Clover, clover blooms in the field. Crescent moon, yep. blood yep. moon lit. Yeah, um, staring out at the midnight sea. How the moon throws mm-hmm. her light across the salty sea. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean it's so it's so midnights and folklore evermore. Like it really like this poem is really like her last three years. Like there's even a lot of like gold rush in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of like talking about a woman from afar in like a mythical way is very pain eats out her heart like that's how it how it ends i don't like it it's pain (laughs) (laughs) it crushes my bones and eats at my heart (laughs) (laughs) i hate beautiful women (laughs) that's literally gold rush no literally um Oh, also something interesting I found out in all of this research that I forgot to mention at the beginning is that Sappho's writing was set to music, that she was a lyricist, oh. not just a poet. She was a lyricist. And it, no! em- it emphasized that a million times that it was supposed to be set to music. And like, that's what everyone believes. And that she was one of the like best lyricists of the time which is a completely different thing and also the gayest thing out of course if a woman's writing poetry she's gonna sing it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well yeah i feel like it also is like singing is inherently seen as an act that you're doing for others to enjoy Mm -hmm. whereas you know, poetry, I think is, especially poetry by women, is traditionally seen as, like, an intimate private thing. So, I feel like it makes a lot of sense that because she was, like, because historians know that she was a lyricist, so that these lyrics were being sung, they literally were, oh, she was writing it for someone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. she was writing it for men to be singing she's writing it as a performance piece she's yeah writing she's it writing it from the male's art it's, it's just yeah. an, it's just a story that she's yes. singing and performing like an act exactly at that time it was very like theatrical to to, to yeah. sing and perform it wasn't just singing a song it was like a whole thing yeah so, I can't imagine what her music must have sounded like, you know, or like yeah. what the music she would set it to sounded like. Like, I know. Oh, I mean, probably a little like folklore, nevermore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're so right. Some Jack Antonoff signature production. It'd probably sound like Carolina. <laughs> oh, Taylor so some Swift. Aaron Dessner signature production. Yeah, yeah, a little more Aaron, I think. 
Yeah. Emily Dickinson, her poems, on the other hand, would have been set to more of a Jack vibe, I think. <laughs> Definitely. Especially if the Apple series is the Telesunny thing. I had an amazing time talking to you today, Madison. Uh, I had an amazing time talking to you, Katie. Sorry to the listeners. I feel like at some points it really was just Katie and I talking. <laughs> or is it actually, not just us talking? You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're welcome that you got to listen to Katie and I talk. <laughs> I hope um, that's how you feel, listeners. Yeah, I hope. So yeah, we'll be back. Uh, shout out to all of our patrons who allow us to keep doing this. Um, yay! Yay, patrons! Yay, patrons! Go on to patreon.com slash thearchers. Um, just a little reminder that Gaylor Fest registration is open. And if you have any questions, you can go to gaylorswift.com and click on Gaylor Fest or just check the description for a link. And we will be back the week after next for another episode of The Archers. Madison, do you have anything to say? No, other than check out the Gaylor Fest website, even if you're not going to be able to make it or it's not something that's um, doable for you. The website is like really beautiful and our Mm. team like worked really hard on it. So even if you can't go, check it out because it's a really cool event and I'm I'm very proud of what we yeah and i'm proud of everyone that has helped us so thank you to all of those people that put that together it's just it's very exciting and um even if you can't come like support it support the hard work going into it and don't worry if you can't come because um it's gonna be virtual you'll be able to just sign up to see all of the little fun presentations because they're gonna be recorded and uh yeah that's all oh oh except, what oh, is that Madison. what oh oh i just i just got an urgent alert oh my god what what is the urgent alert breaking, news. breaking news everyone is currently being ordered to stay 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 gay for tay i repeat stay 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 Stay, stay, stay. Gay for Tay. Alert. Alert. (laughs) Mandated. Mandate. New mandate has come in. Breaking news. (laughs) Stay, stay, stay. Gay for Tay. Madison likes that voice. (laughs) I really did. (laughs) I mean, that's just a thing. They're just talking on and on. Harkness blue, blue blood. This is good for business. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. But I'm just like... It's fucking lavender!